You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. Everything that we're going to deal with throughout the year of 2023 is going to tie in to our theme scripture, Philippians 2 and 5. And of course, that scripture says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And we, we have been dealing with a very significant word in Philippians 2 and 5, significant even though it's small, that word being let. And we understand a very simple definition of let, which is to choose to allow something to happen. And of course, the implication according to Philippians 2 and 5, as it concerns let, is that we not only choose to allow things to happen, but we also make sure we do not allow certain things to happen. And when you let, in reference to things that pertain to God, it's just simply choosing to allow the Holy Spirit to have his way. And the reason we want the Holy Spirit to have his way is because according to John 16 and 13, he came to guide us into all truth. And if he's going to guide us into all truth, the implication is that he is going to give us instruction. I said he's going to give us instruction. Because instruction in one sense represents guidance. It represents guidance because instruction consists of having a list of things that we should do and we should not do. And we found out according to Proverbs 4 and 13 that instruction, a guidance, is very important when it comes to our life. Solomon, the proverb writer, said to us in part in uh, Proverbs 4 and 13 that we need to Hold on to instruction. Not allow her to go. And he, and he closes out the verse giving us the reason. For she, our instruction, is our life. For she, our instruction, is our life. And when it comes to our lives, we understand that that three primary things represent us. Our thoughts, 
our words, and our deeds. Throughout the day, that's, that's what we are about. We, we are about thinking a certain way, talking a certain way, and doing certain things. And when we have instruction or we hold on to instruction, it causes us to have conscious control of our lifestyle. Bottom line, as free moral agents, God has given us the capacity to think about something or not. And I'm not saying it's easy just to focus on one thing, but you do have the ability to do it. And sometimes I, I, I know it's a fight. Because sometimes enemies or your flesh want you to think only about the bad. But if we yield ourselves to the will of God and fight our flesh, we do have the ability to think according to the written and revealed will of God. We do have the ability to think specifically on what God desires us to think about. How many are understanding so far? And so we want to hold on to instruction. We want to hold on to instruction to the point to where we become the people of God that God has ordained for in reference to thinking justly, talking justly, and doing justly. Why is it so important to do things justly? Because according to Romans 1 and 17, uh, it says that the just shall live by faith. And when we get instruction from God, we, we are getting it based upon faith. How can you reach that conclusion, Pastor? Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing Finish it. Let's say it one more time. Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing. And so how many, based upon all that I have said, you can understand why you have to hold on to instruction. Because instruction is your life. Your life is based upon God's list. Of things that he allowed writers to pen that tell us what to do and what not to do. But he didn't stop that. Because he said in Amos 3 and 7, whatever I'm going to do, surely I'm going to reveal it unto my servants, the prophets. And so he, he gives anointed men and women of God, a revelation that in one sense consists of instruction. Uh, he tells us what to do and what not to do. And, and, and how many can agree that sometimes it's a fight? Because sometimes you want to do evil. I say sometimes you want to do bad. 
God tell you to go on a seven day that that chicken get the smelling. It's seasoned right. That smell pull you to the kitchen. You get in there, you look at it. That crust is golden brown. So not only does it look good, but it smell good. But you got three more days of fast. You're going to have to let God have his way for three more days. Are you going to fulfill the desire of the flesh? Which will be good. In reference to how that chicken going to taste. But it won't be good in reference to your relationship. With the Lord. So instruction is important, but there are going to be obstructions, obstacles that are going to try to hinder, alter, or stop us from fulfilling God's wish. In the church and outside the church. Now, when we consider our text on tonight, Proverbs 12 and 1, you'll notice that correction and instruction are connected in the verse. They have a strong relationship. In the verse. It's to the point to where when you really understand correction and instruction based upon the verse. That you can interchange the words. Because their connection is so strong to where. They are primarily synonymous. That's how strong of a connection they have when it comes to the verse. And, and I want to deal with the verse in what I call reverse. I want to start with the latter part of the verse that talks about correction. Notice again, Proverbs 12 and 1. He who hates correction. It's stupid. I have had my stupid moment. Let's just get it out the way real quick. Just, just ask your neighbor, have you, have you ever had your stupid moment? See, some of y'all, you, ain't, you, ain't, you, don't, you won't even go there with me. You just stick, keeping your head down. You don't even want to ask nobody. and You don't even want to share. This sharing time. Say to your neighbor, we're sharing right now. So let's share and just ask somebody, have you had your stupid moment? 
you, you ought to see these educators up here like, I have my master's. Yeah, we know you have your master's and you got your specialist degree and all that, but we still want to know from you with your educated self, have you had your stupid moment? What about it, Sister Harris? Have you had your... Oh, I got two, two Sister Harris's in the bill. <laughs> All of us have had our stupid moment. But, but notice, he, he is so specific. He who... Hates correction. It's stupid. When, when you hate something, you have a great dislike for it. When you dislike a particular food, you don't even you don't even want to smell it. When you dislike a person, if that person is coming toward you, even though you were headed in the way that they're, they're coming, guess what? You're going to change directions. How many ever did that before? Here she come. Let me go over here. Because I, I don't even want to speak to her. There he go. And then you'll talk about him because you, you hate him. Look at him. Them cheap shoes. <laughs> We do that. <laughs> he who hates, help me, is what? The person is Zane. From a biblical standpoint, when a person is stupid, the person is carnal-minded. I say from a biblical standpoint, when a person is stupid, it says about the person that the person is carnal-minded. Romans, uh, well, matter of fact, let's read. Let's go to Romans 8 and 6. I was going to quote it, but I want you to see it. Let's go to Romans 8 and 6 real quick. Ready? Romans 8 and 6. To be carnally minded is what? Yes. To be carnally minded is what? Yes. You messing up your own self being stupid. A carnal mind. The carnal mind is enmity when it comes to God. 
you are God's enemy because God wants us to have a spiritual, holy, a godly mindset. But the carnal mind is the antithesis of a holy mind. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And guess what? You got a choice. You got a choice. You that free moral agent. But when you hate correction, there is a problem. Now let me just deal with correction in reference to uh, Proverbs 12 and 1. Correction is when a message comes forth in order to alter an error or sin that's taking place in your life. And, be, and because all have sinned and come short of God's glory, we can expect God to send forth correction. So there are going to be times that, that a message is going to come forth and part of the message may be to correct you. To show you where you are in error or sin. Now, if you're carnally minded, you're going to get mad about the word showing you your error. Or sin. You may even leave the church. But if, if, if a word comes forth. Showing you your error. Or your sin. And you get mad and leave the church. Based upon the text. You are. This ain't got nothing to do with me having. This, this Bible. I'm just breaking this down. If, if somebody gives you word on what you should do, but you looking at like he getting in my business and he ain't got no business trying to get in my business. But if God has put him in a position to tell you something, if you're part of a ministry and God has given a person authority to tell you something the right way and in accordance to God's word and they tell you and you, you take it like you ain't got no business getting in my, you ain't got no business trying to tell me nothing getting in my business. I'm a grown man. And, and you tell the truth. You, you can be a grown person and all that but because you don't want to receive the correction you are? Okay. 
Say to your neighbor, I want to remind you, in case you're about to get mad, all of us have had, finish it. But we need to stop having so many stupid moments. Yeah, I'm leaving the church. I didn't like the way Pastor talked the other night. Yeah, it seemed like he pulled that, that, that Proverbs 12 and 1 just for me. I, I, I just didn't like the way he... And you can say stuff that sound right. But if you get upset about somebody correcting you according to the scripture and they're rightly dividing the word, bottom line, you are your carnal mind. And when you're carnal minded, it leads to death. When you're carnal minded, you have become an enemy of God. Isn't that so? The primitive root of correction is a setting right. It's when God is about making what's wrong right. And won't he do it? Yeah, that's why he came. Romans 6 and 23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. He came to save us. Came to change us for the better. But, but he can't do it without chastisement or correction. He says that, that if we are without chastisement or correction, that we are illegitimate. I'm not cursing, but the King James Version say we're bastards. I ain't cursing. That. Look at the King James Version. That's what it say. Don't leave him saying, you know, walk cuss tonight. No, he didn't. I just referenced the King James Version. And bastard and illegitimate mean the same thing. And the reason I stress both is because bastard specifically means that you are without a true father. You can have, you can have a father, but you are without a true father, a legitimate father. And we never want to be without God because we don't want him to correct or chastise us. We, we want God to step on our toe. We want God to tell us to do three when we're not doing three. We want him to set us right or straight. I tell him, Lord, tell me the truth. Even if I don't do it immediately. Tell me no. See, I'm to the point to where it, it, if it's the truth, it's just true. I'm, I'm not going to fight that. I'm not going to fight that. 
When I was a sinner, when, when, when they would come witnessing and telling me the truth, I wasn't fighting it. I knew they were right. They used to say, Barry, if you keep doing this right here, you know you're going to hell. I didn't argue with them folk. I knew, I knew it. I knew enough Bible to know that I was headed to hell. And you knew it too. You knew. At least some of us did, right? Can we go further? Let's consider, let, let's consider a scripture uh, to back up what I've been saying in reference to correction. Y'all stay with me. I'm almost done. Uh, let's consider Proverbs. Lord have mercy. 10 and 17. The latter part, Proverbs 10, 17b. It's going to back up all I've been saying as well as put emphasis on something else. He who refuses correction goes well. If you leave God because you didn't want to be corrected, you're going to backslide. You're going to get off the path you need to be on. That, that's basically what that verse implies. We're going to backslide. Basically, when you consider the verse, uh, correction is essential. You agree? It's essential. It's essential. If we are going to be productive in life, we're going to have to be corrected. And again, based upon Proverbs 12, 1, that latter clause, if you hate correction, you're stupid. And we don't need to have our stupid moment. Or too many stupid moments like we used to. We need, we need to accept Correction. Amen? Amen? And sometimes we can know better, but we still don't. We're we just going to have to start doing it. Point blank. I already know just do it. Now let's deal with the first clause in, in Proverbs 12 and 1. And I'm going to be done. Notice what he says. Back in Proverbs 12 and 1. Whoever loves instruction loves what? When you love something based upon the, the verse, it means first that you take great pleasure in it. You love for God to tell you the truth. Even in the form of correction. I never forget when, when the truth came to me about giving God tithes and offering. For years, uh, we, would, we would just say, bring your tithes and offerings. And God corrected me, pastor. He said, I want you to look at that verse about 
them bringing or you bringing your tithes and offerings. It's about you and them bringing my tithes and offerings. And for years, because of tradition, I would say, bring your. But when he caused me to just look at Malachi 3, 8 and following closely, that's man, for years, ever since I've been saved, I've been thinking, it's mine. And now I realize that this God who, it's God's money. But he is so wonderful to where he actually trusts us to do the right thing. Get this, with his stuff. Man, who do you know like that? That God, God going to trust you to do what's right with his stuff. Even though he knows that there are times to where we try to get over. I didn't get no help over here. He trusts us to do the right thing. That's what he does. But see, Looking at the text one more time, notice. He who, help me, first clause, he who loves instruction, loves what? When he, when he gives you instruction about something, even when the instruction is, is showing you you've been wrong, guess what? You take pleasure in it. I said, Lord, I'm not going to be ashamed because I have missed this for years because I didn't read or study it properly. I'm just going to go and let the people of God know and let them see point blank what your word states. So we can, from this time forward, move forward. You got to love instruction. You can be a tight one. But then God can give you instruction that will let you see that look. You hoarding something that you should be enjoying. You hoarding something that you could be investing. You hoarding something that you could be a blessing to somebody else. Man, you got to love it when you have a God that, that will give you instruction of how to make your life better. And so when you love instruction, you, you, you take pleasure in it. Some of us, we come... We come to church week in and week out just to get instruction from God in reference to, to what's going on in our life. And we love it. 
we, we're to the point to where we don't even trust folks to give us instruction without God verifying it. Watch this. By a show of hand, how many, you, you don't mind folks telling you certain things, but you're going to verify it by God. Yeah. And see, when, when you appreciate instruction, you know what that says about you? You don't know everything. And you acknowledge you don't know everything. Woo! How many have ever ran into somebody that? I said, how many have ever ran into somebody that know? Now, that's going to be real hard, but I want you to be honest tonight. Now, how many of you used to be that person that? I used to have to win a conversation. If somebody said, you know, the, the most wonderful place it is on earth is California. Now, even if I, at the time, even if I hadn't been to California, they were not going to have the last. <laughs> no, California ain't the nicest place. You'll be hey, California. <laughs> Why? Because you just had to win the argument. You knew everything. But when God saved you and he humbled you, and you humble yourself, isn't it amazing how he can instruct you about things and you're okay with it? He who loves instruction loves what? Knowledge. The root meaning of knowledge. Real simple root meaning to know. When you know something, number one, you're aware. Number two, you're certain about. And the years that God has taught us about this, that, and the other, there are certain things we should be aware of and certain about. It's just like when folks came with these crazy things about prayer on work, God ain't real. Not. That, that didn't move some of us. Huh. We are certain that God, what, exists. When these folks got to talking this crazy thing about time, we thought, man, is they crazy? All these benefits I done got through giving God, his, is they crazy? Say to your neighbor, there are certain things I'm just certain about. And it's not because you are an expert. It's not because you are omniscient. But it's because you are certain because of the omniscient God that you serve. That's certain thing that God has put in our spirit to where we, we are certain about. You don't, you don't have the one if you have the Holy Spirit. You're certain you have the Holy Spirit. You don't have to wonder if better is here and better is coming. You are certain better is here and better is coming. Going through trials, tribulations, and so forth, some of us, we are certain it's going to work out for our good. Let me see by a show of hands. You're certain it's going to work out for your good. You're going through all kinds of stuff, but because of Romans 8 and 28 and the certainty of it, you can tell folk in the midst of your battle, in the midst of your trouble, this is going to work out. There's something going on over here. Y'all all right? Stretch your hand. 
begin to pray right now. We're going to have to pray hard because I got elders over here, senior ministers over here. We're going to have to pray. And folk, Lord have mercy, that prophesy over there. That are acting as if they are not certain. Look, look, look at that. Look at this verse again. He who loves what? Loves what? You love being certain about certain things. I'm going to tell you all something. That there are people, they, they can hear stuff on TV. These people are supposed to be Christians. And it moves them. You ain't even thought about, you ain't even thought about having a particular uh, disease, a particular thing attacking your body. But all of a sudden, here come this commercial. If you're having certain, if you're short of breath, if you get weak sometimes when you walk a mile, you may have, and, and get this, they, they name things that everybody, but you actually have some folks that are so uncertain to where they'll set up a doctor's appointment to make sure they don't have what the commercial was trying to convince them they may have. I got to go on, but tell your neighbor, you got to be certain about certain things. And when you love instruction and love knowledge, you will be. Because love, from a theological standpoint, also means to obey. Jesus said to his disciples, if you love me, you'll, you'll keep my commands. You obey me. You'll do what I tell you to so a person that, that is a lover of instruction is a person that obeys God. A person that obeys God to the point to where they make sure they get to church and hear from the shepherd. Because they know the shepherd, according to Jeremiah 3 and 15, is going to feed them with what else? And you love coming to church. Ain't nobody got to pull your arm to come for you to come to church. Ain't nobody got to call you six and seven days a week and making sure you're going to make your way to church. Why? You love knowledge. You love hearing what God has to say to you. I got to show you something. Then I'm, then I'm done. Lord have mercy. Y'all all right? I want you to notice Proverbs, uh, let's see, 11 chapter. Lord have mercy. Proverbs 11 and 9. I'm going to read the whole verse because I, I want you to see this first clause. The hypocrite with his mouth destroys who? But through thee will be what? Through what? 
Who's going to be delivered? Through what? Who's going to be delivered? Didn't say sinners. Even though knowledge can deliver sinners. But, but there's a certain knowledge that comes forth from God that causes us to receive our deliverance. There is certain knowledge that comes forth that God specifically sends to the righteous. You listening? That's going to cause them to experience being made free our salvation, protection, and prosperity. When he's sending it, he's sending it for you to be delivered. I say when he's sending it, he's sending it for you to be delivered. And, and, and sometimes you recognize because, because when, when, that, when that type of knowledge comes, a genuine child of God would just come clean. Man, that's for me. Who you ever said that for? Man, that's for me. You done been praying, you done, you done been seeking him, and then all of a sudden he'll drop that knowledge in, in your being. And you'll turn, oh man, that's for me. You don't care if nobody hear you, even though you're trying to be silent with it. Because sometimes when, when it comes to you, you'll be, oh. That would show for me. Am I right? And I'm done. Let's get a load of hand of praise.